Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for listening to the Zoe Church Podcast. We are in part two of a series that we're in right now called Walk the Talk. We're going to jump into this week's message in just a moment. But we want to say thank you to everyone that likes, subscribes, comments, posts about our messages. And if you're looking for a home church, you ought to join Zoe Church. You can get more information on our church website, zoechurch.org. But come on, let's jump in to this week's message on breaking the imposter syndrome. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 is our theme verse for this series. Read our theme verse from the screen. It says this, but you are not like that. I just love that first line. Hey, hey, hold on. You are not like those people. You are not that you are not like April. Somebody say amen to it. But you are not like that. You're not jealous. You're not insecure. You're not a hater. You're not a bitter person. You're not someone that covets. You're not someone that uses. You're not like that. What I love about God is God tells you who you're not, but then he declares who you are. But you're not like that. What does he say? You are a chosen people. You are royal priests. You are a holy nation. You're God's very own possession. As a result of who you are, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Anybody thankful today that God called you out of where you were? Oh, come on, clap a little bit louder if you're grateful. From where you were to where you are. You didn't pull yourself out, by the way. It's not self-help and self-strength. It's not you made, you're not, nobody's self-made. God called us out of our addiction. He called us out of our mess. He called us out of our problems. He pulled, oh, the Bible says it this way. He pulled me out of a miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock. He put a new song in my mouth. Many will hear about it. In other words, he's saying he pulled you out of your mess and into your message. He pulled you out of your pain and put you on a platform. You once were darkness and now you're light. It's the old saying from Amazing Grace, I once was blind, but now I can see. I once was dead, but now I'm alive. Anybody thankful that this is all Jesus? This is all grace. This is the power of the gospel. This is the good news of God. That God has the power to pull us out of all of our problems, all of our issues. If you've been abused or abandoned, good news, God will pull you out. If you've been betrayed or you've been belittled, good news, God will pull you out. He pulls us out of where we were and puts us where we're supposed to be. He said, now that you're there, now that you're there, now that you got salvation, now that you got the Holy Spirit, I don't want you to be a hypocrite. I don't want you to live one foot in the old life and one foot in the new. I don't want you to be one foot in the world and one foot in me. No, I want you to be planted. I want you to be strong. I want you to be the real McCoy. I want you to walk the talk. In fact, chapter 2, which we are studying today, chapter 2 really deals with, right down the title of, today's message, he deals with breaking the imposter syndrome. He deals with breaking, if you don't know what this term is, 70% of adults in America have some sort of imposter syndrome. 
In other words, we project an image of our life and we want people to believe that we are better than what we really are. We want, we, it's called image management. We want people to believe we're living this life and having this fun when realize all the while deep down we are in pain, we are in torment, we are in struggle, we are not that happy, we are not that whole. He is breaking this for Christians. He is saying you shall not live with imposter syndrome. I want you to be vulnerable. I want you to be authentic. I want you to be transparent. Come on, anybody thankful today that your authority is in your authenticity. Anybody thankful today that God says, come just as you are. The world says, fake it till you make it. God says, come with all your problems and all your pain and all your baggage and all your issues and all your troubles and all your bitterness and all your worries and all your compromise. Come and, I, I, I don't work with the fake you. I can only work with the real you. I don't even know what it was. He wants to break the imposter syndrome, and he breaks it with his love. He breaks it with grace and says, no, no, no. In my presence, what I love about the presence of God, there's no striving in the presence. There's no earning in the presence of God. There's only receiving with Jesus. That's why he said to the woman uh, that was caught in adultery, woman, where are your accusers? It's easy to be in my presence. That's why he said to the woman at the well, where's your husband at? It's easy to be in his presence. There's no accusation. There's no condemnation. There's no, there's no finger pointing. He just says, come just as you are. We're going to break the imposter syndrome to get you to become the real, because I can shape that person. I can love that person. I can embrace that person. I can work with that person. Don't, don't ever offer to God what you think he wants to hear. God knows the good, the bad, and the ugly about you. God knows all your success and all your failure. And he says, come just as you are. Clap today if you're thankful that I don't have to put it on for God. I can come with all my issues and all my baggage. So he's teaching us today how to break the imposter syndrome. I'm going to give you five things he teaches in chapter 2. Write them down. Number one, the first thing he teaches is, is intense cravings. That we need, to, we need to develop intense cravings. Now, we have had four children, and when I say we, I really mean Julia. Julia has given birth to four kids. Uh, we, I've watched Julia in four pregnancies develop different cravings every pregnancy. Every pregnancy she, she had, she had different cravings, different things like, I want this kind of food. We got to Postmates this. We got to go to this place because this is what I'm craving. I don't know if you have cravings right now, but obviously I already told you I crave coffee. I crave coffee, not the taste alone, but the smell. The friendship. The cream, the moment. When I get up in the morning, I'm like, what do I do? I'll have another mint tea. Okay, stop. The Aprils of our church were exposed. Listen to what he says about cravings. First Peter chapter 2, verse 1. So abandon 
every form of evil, deceit, hypocrisy, feelings of jealousy and slander, in the same way that nursing infants cry for milk, you must intensely crave the pure spiritual milk of God's Word. For this milk will cause you to grow into maturity, fully nourished and strong for life especially now that you have had a taste of the goodness of Yahweh and have experienced His kindness. He's saying in the same way that a two-month-old or a three-month-old craves milk, in the same way, like when you have a, a newborn baby, you know the cry of hunger. You know when that baby at 2 in the morning or 2 p.m., you know when they're crying because they're hungry. He said in the same way that infants cry for milk, you ought to develop spiritual craving, that you crave the presence, you crave the word, you crave to be in the house of God, you crave community. Come on, clap today if you got some craving spiritually. By the way, if you're wondering why you don't have those cravings right now, it's because you have an appetite for whatever you feed yourself. So if you feed yourself the wrong thing, you're going to keep craving the wrong thing. But if you feed yourself some Jesus and feed yourself some prayer and feed yourself some worship, come on, clap today if you believe it. I, I crave whatever I eat. You have an appetite for whatever your diet is. So listen, my December diet is different than my January diet. When I started my January diet, all I craved was December diet. December diet was fun. Can I get an amen? We were having cinnamon rolls in December. We were having eggnog in December. We were having cookies and turkey and all, all the good. In January, Jan I didn't crave celery when I started my fast. I didn't start the fast like, ooh. Carrots. You know what I want? I want? I've never in one year of doing this fast ever thought in July, let's go to Cafe Gratitude. <laughs> Not once. Not one time. But I get four, five days into the Daniel fast and I'm like, hey babe, we should do Cafe Gratitude tonight. Because you have an appetite for whatever you feed yourself. He's saying you need to develop a craving for the word. Oh, I love that because, you know, God spoke to Zoe and he said, this year is a year to be devoted to my word. This is a year to develop a craving for the Bible. I want to encourage you to get on our website. Go get the Zoe Devo. Go start reading through. Every day right now we're in the book of Genesis and we're in the book of Luke. And we're reading the Bible and reading the Bible. Why? Because we know that if we feed ourselves, did you hear what he said? He said, you'll grow. A lot of people are like, how come I don't grow? How come I'm not seeing growth in my life? I didn't grow from three years ago or five years. I'm still the same person. Well, listen, a lot of times we want to see change, but you never see change until you see growth. Growth happens before change. In fact, growth releases change. And so the way we grow is the Bible's teaching us is through the Bible. And when I crave the Bible and read the Bible, I start to grow. And by the way, healthy things are growing things, and growing things are changing things. But I never get healthy without the Word. I never grow without the Word, which means, I, come on, clap like you understand what I'm trying to teach you today. The Bible's teaching you, anybody want to change? You can't do it without the Bible. So the first thing he says is intense cravings. Number two, the next thing he says is offer up. Offer up, watch this in, 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 in uh, verses 4 and 5. So keep coming to him who is the living stone. Though he was rejected and discarded by men, but chosen by God 
as, and as is a priceless of God, in God's sight, come and be his living stones who are continually being assembled into a sanctuary for God. For now, listen to this, this is you. For now, you serve as holy priests, offering up spiritual sacrifices that he readily accepts through Jesus. Now, now I, I know you. Nobody here this morning got up and goes, you, you guys know I'm a priest, right? No one at Zoe thought this morning, yeah, I'm a priest. No one. But you are, according to Scripture, a holy priest. I know you don't have the whole Catholic garb, but you are a holy priest. And the Bible says in the Old Testament, they used to, the priest would offer up a dead animal as a sacrifice to offer up for the sins of the people. Jesus in the New Testament becomes the perfect sacrifice that takes away our sin from now to forever. So in the Old Testament, priests would offer up to cover the people. In the New Testament, Jesus is our true and great high priest. And he offers up a sacrifice that covers us forever. But through his sacrifice, he has now made you a priest. And he says, I don't just want my life to be offered up. I want you to offer up spiritual sacrifice. In other words, here's what God's saying. In other words, I want you to offer up your worship. I want you to offer up a sacrifice of praise. I want you to, come on, anybody believe that this year you'll give the best praise you've ever given? You'll give the most worship you've ever given. What can I offer to God? Oh, I'm thinking of 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 24. When David, this guy comes to David and says, David, why don't you use my offering? You can offer it to God. And he says to his friend, he said, I will never offer to God something that doesn't cost me. I will never bring to God an offering that didn't cost me something. No, God is saying to us, bring the best praise this year. Offer up the best worship. Come on, offer up your best sacrifice. Offer, come on, clap like you want to offer to God something. God gave me everything so I can clearly give him something something. I just like that phrase, offer up, because we live in a culture where that website, offer up, is huge. You know, where someone can go on to offer up, and they can put on their old shoes or old clothes, old couch, and they can offer up, and someone can bid and put an offer in for their old belongings. No, God's not asking us to offer up old stuff, old worship, old thinking, old praise. No, he says this year as a priest, I want you, like the Old Testament priest, I want you to offer the best thing you got. God, I give you my life. I feel the Holy Spirit. Clap like you believe it today. I'm a priest ready to offer God my best. Write down the number, the number three. I love this next thing he teaches us is the goodness of God. We already read it earlier, but let me just show you this last part. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. So because as a result, the fact that you're a priest because of Jesus, the fact that you're a chosen generation because of Jesus, the fact that you, you, you're, you're royalty and you're a light because of Jesus, he says all of this as a result of where you are now. You are here so you can show other people the goodness of God. In other words, what God is trying to teach us today is that all of his saving in your life is not limited just for you. It's not restricted just for your enjoyment. That when we receive salvation and we receive the power of the Holy Spirit and when we receive the love of God, we get to go out and show other people 
if God can save somebody like me, surely he can save somebody like you. If God can favor and love somebody that was in my big mess, surely he can favor and love somebody that's in a mess like you. You and I are called to show people that God is not angry, that God is not judgmental, that God is not frustrated. God is in love with people. In fact, our Bible teaches us that he leaves 99 church people to go reach the one that's lost, to go reach the one that's in addiction, the one that's in depression, the one that's in struggle. That is the relentless love of Jesus Christ. And anybody thankful today that God's just looking for somebody to be his hands and somebody to be his feet? Oh, I was telling this story to our production team, but I was preaching in Orange County yesterday. God, thank God we're not in Orange County. Nothing better than coming back to Los Angeles, God's true favorite city. It's always fun to have little brothers, but great to be the oldest. Anyways, um, but they told me this great story about the keyboard player at this church, that the keyboard player of, uh, of this church, his, his brother was unsaved, and his brother got caught up in the cartel in Mexico. And was murdered. And he was so upset and frustrated and angry that he started to get online to find a way to purchase weapons to go bring revenge for his family. And one day he's on his laptop looking up stuff to purchase. And he sees behind him on the kitchen counter, he sees a, a, a door hanger that had been left by this church. And this church was starting in Orange County. And they, did door, they went door to door and, and dropped hangers. And so he sees the hanger and he thinks to himself, I should probably go to church and not do this. I need God is what I need. So he walks in and he finds the love of God and God radically changes his life. Come on, clap today if you believe that the power of God could touch any person's life. He gets saved. He starts getting involved. He starts serving. He's now on the worship team at church. I just want to tell you, it might be as small as hanging a door hanger. It might be as small as sending a text message. It might be as small as posting on your Instagram story. But we are here to show people the goodness of God. We are here to brag about how good God is. Come on, I don't want to make much of my name. Anybody down to make much of his name? Give him a praise today if you want to show people how awesome Jesus is. Let that be your passion this year. Let that be the passion of Zoe Church. That we are more concerned about people that don't know him than the people that do know him. That we are more concerned about showing people you're wrong about God. God is loving. He is compassionate. He is slow to anger and rich in love. As far as the east is from the west, he has removed our transgressions from us. Oh, I love that. I love that. Right down the fourth one, the fourth thing. in worship team, you can start to make your way back. The fourth thing he teaches us is no accusations. Dear friends, verse 11, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans, talking about Clipper fans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Can I just read verse 12 again? Live such good lives that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. Live your life in a good way. You know, when you serve Jesus, and we'll talk about it in just a moment, but when you serve God, people will say things about you that are wrong. And if they accuse Jesus, they'll accuse you. 
if they, by the way, if you want to be loved by everybody, you can't be a Christian. Because if they hated Jesus, they'll hate you. We all know John 3.16. If you're new to church, it's like the most famous scripture. Listen to it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and his only son, that if anybody believe in him, they will not perish, but have everlasting life. But you know, right after that, the next verse says, here's the crazy thing though. The light of the world has come into the world, but because of their evil deeds, men have chosen darkness. In other words, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean everybody's going to be like, I'm so happy for you. Wow, you love God. You're a believer. You'll actually be persecuted. You'll actually be hated. And Peter, you want to know who's writing this? The man that's writing this, the brother of Andrew, one of the top three disciples, is the man that denied that he knew Jesus three times. When push came to shove, and they said to Peter, aren't you one of them Christians? He's like, fam, I don't know what you're talking about. Leave me alone. Three times he denies Jesus. He knows what it's like to be hated by the world. He knows what it's like to have pagans and unbelievers accuse him of being in the way. But he says, listen, guys, we can't win with them, but please don't give them ammo. Please don't give them ammunition. Remember that old country song, let's give them something to talk about? I'm going to tell you something. Listen, people are going to talk about you. And it's your responsibility to put them put good things in their mouth. If they're going to say something about you, let them say, that church Zoe, they feed people, they clothe people, they love people, they serve people. They're not a judgment church. They're not a hell, they're not a hell-bent church. Come on, clap today. They're not, a, they're not a condemnation church. They're not a better-than-you church. Come on, they're a Jesus church. They're a gospel church. Clap, Zoe. We're not playing games this year. We're going to walk the talk. And I pray that this year, I pray that this year, don't give the world ammo. No, say, to the best of my ability, to the best of my ability, I'm going to walk the talk. I'm going to live above reproach. I'm not going to have compromise. I'm not going to be deviant. I'm not going to be duplistic. I'm not going to have secrets in the closet. I'm not going to have stuff under the rug. I'm going to walk the talk. I'm going to be the real deal. I'm going to break the imposter syndrome. I'm going to be a real believer. I'm going to, listen, if I mess up, I'm going to repent. If I make a mistake, I'm going to ask for forgiveness. But I'm not going to live with one foot in my old life and one foot in my new life. I'm not going to live in the darkness and in the light. I'm not going to pretend like I'm dead and pretend like I'm alive. Somebody clap today and thank Jesus that he's given us the power to be real. No accusations. No accusations. You know what L.A. needs? L.A. needs some real Christians. Some real Christians. What are real Christians? Humble people. What are real Christians? People that are not impressed with themselves. What are real Christians? People that actually read the Bible, talk to Jesus, serve their neighbor as themselves. People that are generous. People that are kind. People that are compassionate. People that are full of love. And by the way, you can't give it away if you don't have it. So we got to walk with Jesus. We got spiritual cravings. We got intense cravings from the Word. We're offering up our best worship. God's washing us. He's cleansing us. He's healing us. He's redeeming us. He's restoring us. He's renewing us. He's reviving us. He's rebuilding us. Clap today if you're thankful thankful today that I'm breaking the imposter syndrome. See, 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 what we can't have, what we can't have is people that are like, he pulled me out of darkness and into light, and so I can do whatever I want. 
No, you can't. Because you're either in the darkness or you're in the light. And the Holy Spirit, do you see what he's doing? I love these 21 days. He's building spiritual hunger. He's bringing a little separation. Oh, I love last week, First Peter chapter 1. He said, be holy because I'm holy. Be set apart. Live above reproach. Don't give them no ammunition. You be the real deal. And even when they accuse you, don't say nothing. Oh, I love Isaiah. Put it on the screen, Isaiah 53. Look, read of, the, of this of Jesus. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears was silent, so he did not open his mouth. In other words, when people do accuse you, you don't have to defend yourself. It's, it, listen, we don't serve for their conscience. We serve God with a clear conscience. Oh, clap today like you're understanding what God is saying to you. I want you to walk humbly. I want you to walk circumspect. I want you to walk with grace, with, with power, with repentance. I want you to be the real deal, real deal. I want you to be authentic. I want you to be sincere. I want you to be lowly. Oh, God, he, he raises up the humble. He, he, he puts down the proudful. And the last thing, the last thing I close with this is that, I love this one, it can be done. Stand to your feet. Let me read these scriptures to you. It can be done. Listen to this. This is beautiful. Just, just bring it down just, just a touch. I just want to read this to you. Listen to this. This is the kind of life you've been invited into. The kind of life Christ lived. He suffered everything that came his way so you would know that it could be done. And also... You know how to do it, step by step. He never did one thing wrong. Not once said anything amiss. They called him every name in the book, and he said nothing back. He suffered in silence, content to let God set things straight. Part of walking the talk is a trust in Jesus. I don't have to defend myself. I don't have to defend my life to the world. God, help me, help me. Help me die to myself. Help me, God, kill my pride. Kill my ego, God. Help me to love others. Help me to, God, help me to offer a sacrifice of praise. Why don't you, if you feel comfortable, just close your eyes. Jesus, we just thank you today that you're teaching us.